Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Lauren Conlon, and welcome to another episode of Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon? Okay, we have a lot of ground to cover today, so I am just going to jump right in. So as you all know, there are a lot of documents and legal files pertaining to this case, and I'm obtaining more and more of them every week. I'm very overwhelmed. So this week, I have a doozy. I have the huge defamation suit that Aaron filed against Angie in 2021 that was thrown out by Chip Campbell. And Chip Campbell is a judge. So essentially, it's a 300-page document about how insane Angie is and a lot of what seems to me to be petty information, such as Aaron trying to clear his name and how he left WSMV-TV saying, I didn't get fired like Angie said, this happened. It's kind of weird. But in this doc, I mean, her own family turned against her. It's pretty horrific. And, you know, there is a backstory with Angie and her family. It's just not my story to tell, but it's not great. And and if you were to hear it, you would kind of understand why they turned against her. So anyway, in this file from 2021, there is a document from the Sumner County Assistant DA, Ronald Blanton. It's a document explaining that they had looked over evidence that Angie's then attorney, Jeff Cherry, had brought to them to file criminal charges against Aaron Solomon. Again, this is 2021, very early on, and they ruled that there wasn't enough evidence, but they quote-unquote reopened the investigation. Yes, you heard me. Allegedly, in 2021, they reopened the investigation. 
And I say allegedly because on paper they absolutely did, but I did speak to a Freedom for Gracie rep about this and Angie as well. And they were like, well, essentially they sent a team back out to the ditch and basically left. So no one erring on the side of Grant, Gracie, and Angie really considered this to be a reinvestigation, but on paper, Technically, it is. So before I read these two documents to you, I want to also point out that at this time, March of 2021, the private investigator, Dan Hodges, the former FBI agent, he had not really interviewed anyone that he ended up interviewing in, in a few months later, in July of 2021. So at this point, they were really missing a lot of information. I mean, the local reporter, Alice Willis, hadn't gotten involved yet. And if you recall, he was the one that interviewed a WPI employee, and he had some great information from this kid that worked there. I mean, I remember thinking when I heard that interview, wow, I I can't believe the police didn't get this. So anyway, there was a lot of missing pieces not given to Ronald Blanton. So first, let me read to you this declaration. I'm going to skip through um, the beginning where he introduces himself and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Quote, after the death of Grant Solomon on July 20th, 2020, an investigation of Grant's death was conducted and the investigators determined that Grant's death was an accident and there was no basis to bring criminal charges related to Grant's death. The investigation was then closed. Upon information supplied by an attorney for Grant's mother, Angelia Solomon, the investigation was reopened, but the investigating officers determined that there was no information that would substantiate even a probable cause finding to bring criminal charges related to Grant's death. The death was again determined to be an accident and the investigation was closed. After the second investigation was closed, I sent a letter to Miss Solomon's attorney stating that the investigation determined that Grant's death was an accident, that no charges will be brought related to his death, and the investigation was closed. A copy of this letter is attached as Exhibit A. There are no criminal charges being brought related to Grant Solomon's death, and there is no pending investigation into Grant Solomon's death at this time. I declare until under penalty of perjury that the foregoing is true and correct. Signed, C. Ronald Blanton, end quote. Okay, so he does say at the end, there's three words, he says, at this time. There is no pending investigation into Grant Solomon's death at this time. I kind of felt that to be positive because he didn't have to add that. He could have just said, closed, bye, whatever. But he did say that. Okay, so now let me read to you the letter that was sent from Ron Blanton to Jeff Cherry, Angie's then-attorney. And this is dated March 4th, 2021. Quote, Dear Jeff, I appreciate you providing me with the information that your office has obtained in the tragic death of Grant Solomon on July 20th, 2020. First, please express my condolences to Angie, Gracie, and their entire family on my behalf. I cannot imagine the pain and loss they have suffered in the loss of a son, brother, and friend. Since you provided me with this information, I have reviewed the entire file. I have interviewed the investigators who were on the scene, and I have provided them with your file. I wanted to provide all of the information that I could to the investigators and have them compare the information in your file with the one they had previously. I did this to make sure we all had the information prior to making a charging decision. I will tell you that our investigation at the time was thorough. 
there were statements that we did not have that your file contained. It is stated in your file and investigation that Aaron Solomon, Grant's father, who was present on that horrible day, is alleged to have made some different statements about that day and the events. Upon review of those alleged conflicting statements, there still does not exist enough evidence that would lead to a crime being committed. As you are aware, in a criminal case, the state must prove beyond a reasonable doubt to obtain a conviction. When assessing a matter in which charging a charging decision is made, our office evaluates the case on whether we can obtain a conviction. Based on the information that we originally had and the information that we have obtained from your office, it was a horrible accident, but the state of Tennessee declines to pursue criminal charges in this matter based on a lack of evidence. Sincerely, Charles R. Blanton, Assistant District Attorney General, end quote. <sighs> okay, I am not satisfied with this letter for a number of reasons. I'm not sure how he can say that it was a thorough investigation without going through what what they did this time around that was different. I mean, there wasn't an accident reconstruction this time around. There wasn't an autopsy this time around. I was also confused uh, when he was referring to the investigators and they were comparing the notes from this time and the previous time. I hope he wasn't referring to the Gallatin PD. I mean, he wasn't, right? I'm very confused about that because isn't that sort of a conflict of interest if if the Gallatin PD investigators were to go back to the scene that they allegedly messed up at? I don't see how they would admit their mistakes, you know, and cost the city a ton of money and hurt their reputation. So yeah, I am I am just not satisfied. So yeah, essentially... He in- interviewed, Ron Blanton interviewed the investigators that were at the scene of the ditch, and and that appeared to be it. So, yeah. Oh, also, they they misspelled Aaron's name. I don't know if that means anything, but I thought that was weird on a, a legal document that they totally spelled his name wrong. But I could just be being crazy and wearing a tinfoil hat, and it means nothing. But anyway, just something I said last week about... Aaron never claiming his innocence, well, he does in this file and and beyond. And again, it was some really petty stuff that was in this file, but he did proclaim his innocence and the file did get thrown out. And the last thing I want to add to this, so if they truly believed they did a thorough reinvestigation, Gallatin, the city of Gallatin, I mean, I've called the Gallatin PD. I've called City Legal. I've left messages for DA Whitley at his office and so many more people involved in this. Why wouldn't they tell me just to shut me up? Hey, thanks for calling, but we've already reinvestigated this. We've already reopened it. Wouldn't that be something that that they tell me just to get me off their back? It's kind of weird that that nobody even mentioned this to me at all. Okay, moving on. Before we get to today's guest, who is a total badass, and I'm very excited for everyone to hear what she has to say, I want to make everyone aware of yet another child predator involved in a church that was busted right outside of Franklin, Tennessee, in a town called Hendersonville. So it was a Christian youth sports ministry executive director. 
its leader, he's a leader at the church, he was charged on July 21st with child sex crimes. And his name is Jacob Oldham, and he's 40 years old. And he faces two counts of soliciting sexual exploitation of a minor, according to the Henderson Police Department. So upon his arrest, he was fired from his position uh, as executive director of Full Count Ministries. I mean, this is so gross. There are so many of them out there. And I feel like every time I open my phone or I watch the news, I get sent another article about a child predator in Tennessee. And it's it's so weird. And I'm not naive. I know that they're everywhere, but it just, it feels like a coincidence. And this is just a side note, but if you haven't heard about that former ABC News producer, James Gordon Meek, I mean, it's what he did and what he texted to other pedophiles is just unspeakable. He is just so, so absolutely sick. Okay. So my guest for today, Beth Karras, she is a veteran legal analyst. And I promise you, if you are into true crime, you have absolutely seen her on TV. She has an extensive experience covering high profile criminal cases. Her reporting and analysis has appeared on shows like 2020, The Today Show, Dr. Oz, Dateline, Nightline, Court TV, and so many more shows. And if you watch the ID doc, The Curious Case of Natalia Grace, it's about that Ukrainian orphan where they're not really sure her real age. You can watch that on Max or on ID. Beth essentially narrated the entire thing. And that's how I first uh, got in touch with her. I had an opportunity to interview her for my other podcast and we really hit it off and she lives in New York and um, she's just been such a treasure trove of information and I just am grateful for her. So um, we get into some specifics about Grant's case because she has been just like us, like, wow, I really can't believe this. So without further ado, here is Beth Karras. First of all, no investigation is perfect, right? I mean, I there's just no... There's always something left undone or it's like, I should have, could have, what I, you know, I wish I did. But the more experienced police department, the more often they see what, whatever the crime is, you know, the better they'll be at it. Right. So that's why we see sometimes what seems to be inadequate and sufficient investigations in smaller police departments. They're just not as experienced. Now, that's one thing. Another thing is whenever there is sort of an unnatural or strange death, mm-hmm. it should be considered criminal until it's ruled out as not criminal. And so all the precautions of a crime scene should be taken until you can be sure. Now, in looking at, you know, the photos from this case and perhaps the police listening to Aaron, they're like, oh, yeah, this is just a terrible accident. But if they knew at the time that Aaron had actually said to a judge, I don't want to live with my father, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm afraid he's going to kill me, or I'm paraphrasing, but something to that effect. I mean, it, it, it sheds a different light on the whole scenario. So it really um, it did take a lot of photos, but there were things that were left undone. And quite frankly, when I look at the photos of the way the truck is nose in in the ditch and that, but it's, it came down from the parking. I don't know how it got mm-hmm. that in that position. I don't understand the physics of it. Like, did it get, get such momentum that it sort of swung across the ditch and then went nose down? I, I, I don't. I don't know. I, right. I can't quite figure it out, but mm-hmm. that's not my role. I would have liked to see somebody reconstruct it and, um, you know, give an idea of, of, of how it happened. So 
Not all crime scene, not all scenes are, are are perfect. And this wasn't even treated like a crime scene. So there was just so much that wasn't done. And it's unfortunate. Now, they did close it saying it was an accident, not a crime. I get mm-hmm. it. But um, there are just too many unanswered questions. And it just should have been handled a little differently, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, so when I spoke to City Legal last week, it was we were going in circles and it was getting a little frustrating. And she had said something. Well, you know, this case was investigated and it was the opinion of the police and the D.A. that there was no crime. And I'm like, since when is it based on opinions and not facts, police work? I mean, it was just strange. Her answers. I didn't I didn't really appreciate I appreciated her talking to me, but her answers I, I did not agree with. And I was like, if that is the case and something happened to me or my family and it's contingent or dependent on an opinion of a police officer. No, thank you. Opinion is probably not the best choice of words that you follow the facts and whether they need you. And there's a lot of discretion with prosecutors to bring charges, even when they think that it's it's probably criminal. There mm. just isn't proof beyond a reasonable mm. doubt. I mean, a lot of times you'll say it's just not provable. Like, we're not yeah. going to spin the wheels of the criminal justice system for something that we know we'll never get enough evidence on. I don't know that that was um, what happened here, but yeah. um, they, they concluded it was an accident. I mean, you know how a medical examiner will render four, well, two opinions, cause yeah. manner, manner of death is the issue here, right? Mm-hmm. And we know what caused his death, right? Well, yeah, the mechanism, what, what caused his death, but the, the manner, like what, what's the category? Right? Is it accident? Is it homicide? Is it suicide? Is it natural? Or mm-hmm. and then there's undetermined. So some of the cases that I've, when I, over the years at Court TV, mm-hmm. um, when I've covered all kinds of cases, low profile, high profile, the ones I found really most um, interesting were the ones where it wasn't a question of like what happened, but it's like, what is it? Mm-hmm. You know, it, did this person kill themselves or were they killed? Was right. this an accident while he's cleaning his gun or did his girlfriend shoot him? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that this raises one of those questions. It wasn't enough of a question for the authorities to say it needs further investigation, apparently, but the work that you're doing and others raise a lot of questions that um, make it seem like perhaps there was a, a little bit of a rush to reach yeah. the conclusion of the accident. Yeah. And, you know, just bringing up, going back to what you said about the accident and you're like, I don't really understand, you know, the truck rolled down this ditch or whatever. Well, if that's my kid and my kid's 16 driving this truck and the truck appears to just run him over or roll down a ditch, I think I would go get that truck uh, checked out and I think I would get that assessed and I think I would probably try to sue like the car company or something. And Aaron Solomon, he wanted to get that truck impounded. Uh, he wanted he wanted nothing to do with that truck. So that's another huge red flag right there that if my kid was involved in some kind of accident where you know, the, the truck, he said, Oh, I don't know. Maybe the truck malfunctioned. Maybe it didn't bro. Don't you want to know that if your child is dead because of it, it's just strange. And, and the police, don't you want to know? Like it, it doesn't make sense. Yes, it doesn't make sense. And I, and I don't know if your listeners know what the truck looks like in the ditch but it's mm-hmm. not that deep a ditch however that's not the issue and it looks when you look at the you look at the photo and i'm looking at a, a, a printed version of it mm-hmm. um it looks like it 
ran off the road, you know, over a sidewalk and just nose down, you know, six, eight feet down into a ditch. When in fact, it came from a little above and mm. it rolled backwards, apparently. I just don't know how it ended nose down with this, you know, the tail out toward the street. I just, I can't, I can't um, envision it. Yeah, it's it's really tough. It really is. Nobody can. That's That's the crazy part. And something that... I've been thinking about lately. So we have a, we've raised enough money for a $20,000 reward um, that is contingent on a conviction uh, or something leading to an arrest or something like that or a conviction. But I just keep thinking like these three men that he mentions on the 911 call, I feel like the three men are much bigger in this, this investigation. And I think a lot of us have kind of skimmed over it um, most people, when you first hear the the call, you say, oh, three men didn't exist. He's just saying that. But then you hear from the WPI employee who does say they were three men. He said this to this reporter, Alexander Willis, but the three men just left by the time the police got there. I think these three men are clearly the key to um, figuring out what happened to Grant. But it's like, I, they're not coming forward because in and this is my opinion i think they're not coming forward because they were in on whatever was going on there and if they come forward they will want protection they will want immunity um or you know and, and this could be totally far fetched but this is just something that i keep thinking of like why wouldn't they come forward and why would they just disappear so there's no investigation anymore so there's no reason for them to come forward right only just to satisfy the public interest, right? I mean, who is asking for them? That's the public outcry sure. for, for wanting justice, right? So no, there's no one who's going to compel them to come forward. And no one knows their names. So it's just like, who are you? You're the mystery men, right? Yeah. Are, did Aaron say they witnessed it or they only showed he, up after? No, he said this is why he claims he didn't go in the ditch to help his own child. He claims three men were there helping out. So why should he have to go down? But did they show up after the accident happened or did they see the truck rolling? That's it's he doesn't really clarify that. And again, nobody knows except for his, uh, the WPI employee who claims they were wearing construction garb. And I don't know if that meant a hat or like a um, one of those vest things. But yeah, he says that's what they were wearing. And they pulled out in a truck. So or a van, sorry, it was a van, a van, a box, a and box no car. Yeah. So, so another uh, YouTuber, or I'm sorry, podcaster went to WPI and actually saw cameras. And it looks like they may have been installed after 2020. I'm I'm not certain. I've texted and I've called um, some of the employees at WPI that were there that day. They have not gotten back to me. I have a feeling they want nothing to do with this anymore. Because uh, it is, you know, it is, they, I think that a lot of people are scared to talk about it in Tennessee, or I know they are. So, yeah. And I mean, it's a little, it is a hot potato. And um, whether they did something nefarious or innocent, they just may want to put it behind them. I mean, uh, this is just um, an illustration of how people don't want to get involved. I was mm-hmm. on the subway in New York City couple of weeks ago and I decided I'd stand next to a few uniformed police officers and I said I feel safer this way because you know mm-hmm. you hear stories about people getting pushed in front of trains by you know there are a lot of mentally ill people on the streets and um 
I said, you know, I know this is happening a lot more than than we hear about in the press because my friends in the DA's office tell me it's happening more than the, the, than the media is picking up on. And oh. one of the officers said to me, not only that, it's happening. People are getting pushed onto the tracks. They're getting rescued before a train comes and they're not reporting it. They're going on on their way because they don't want to get involved. And I was like. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. What? What? So, oh, my yeah. God. So this was just a few weeks ago in New York City. People don't want to get involved. And, you know, when I was an assistant DA here in Manhattan, uh, where we both are, I... um. You know, what's always frustrated when witnesses didn't, um, you know, they didn't want to give their information. They want to cooperate. Yeah, whatever. So that wow. could be the case. These these could be critical people who may have some interesting information, whether it has to do with Aaron Solomon's behavior or words, what they witnessed about the truck. Maybe Grant said a few words. I mean, who knows? But right, right. Maybe they maybe they. They, they're completely innocent. Maybe they're, you know, complete, who knows, but exactly. that, <laughs> but that is what you just said is everything where it's like, just come forward because half the people don't think you exist. Half the people think you were in on it. And then you, it's just, it's like, just say something, but it's the three men thing. I got to say, Beth, it, it really keeps me up at night. I'm really, I'm really disturbed by this. Um, but just, out of this this whole case, I, I mean, what what is the most jarring to you? Is it you know is it the fact that they closed this accident uh, after fifty seven minutes? Is it the fact that he had no autopsy? I mean, there's a lot of things here that just to me when I first saw this, I was so shocked. The most jarring thing for me is that Aaron did not. I mean, Grant, pardon me. Mm-hmm. That's okay. The most jarring thing to me is that Grant did not want to live with his father and told the judge he was afraid his father would kill him. And then he dies in a freak accident when he's with his father and no one else. Yeah. That name speaks volumes. Um, again, there could be an innocent interpretation, but there could very well be something quite the opposite. What is the time lapse between growing up telling the judge he didn't want to live with his father and then dying? Do you know? 
I'd have to go back. So those those records, there there is a picture on the Freedom for Gracie website. I think it's it might be 2020 actually. Um, a few months prior. Do that is not yeah that is not set in stone. But I think I I mentioned this to you. There is a picture that they put up with Grant giving a thumbs up with a friend because Judge uh, or Magistrate Cabell Cabell, however you say it. Uh, he said, you don't have to live with your father. You're good. Go back with your mom. Then he took a lunch break, came back and said, nope, Grant, you're six foot, whatever. You can handle yourself. Your father's 5'11". Like, you're fine. So whenever that was, I'll have to go back and see um, after this interview. And then I'll, I'll note that in at the end. But um, yeah, I've, it's funny because I've said this multiple times. Do these documents, let's say many of them are sealed because it, it was a juvenile court case or whatever. I mean, do those count? as part of this investigation, if they're sealed? Well, law enforcement can get their hands on them, whether or not they'd be admissible and in, 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 at a trial, if, if anyone were ever charged, I, I, I don't know, but they, they can be part of the investigation. That's, um, that's what I mean. That's the whole point. Yeah. Different. Every state's different. I mean, every state has their own nuances. I don't know about 10. Actually, I shouldn't say for sure, because this is Tennessee, but mm-hmm. I would think that they that they would be available. I mean, they're kind of sealed to protect. It's a juvenile. They're sealed to protect the um, the juvenile who you know right. is growing up and yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's going to be a law abiding adult and doesn't want to be haunted by something that happened as a youngster. But um, it would be relevant, I would think, to this investigation. I guess that was my other like head scratcher when I first started speaking to Angie. And I was just like, wait, so this happened in court and Angie's friends. And there was many other people that were there to witness a lot of this. So I was like, there was multiple witnesses and I'm sorry, not just friends, like other people, you know, in the courtroom and, and, uh, court appointed therapists that were involved in the family and heard directly from Grant and directly from Gracie about how much they didn't want to live with their father and how they feared him for many different reasons. So that was a big head scratcher to me. But I do want to ask you if this means anything. So Grant's death certificate, and and I don't know if this means anything, you know, per the law or or whatever, but it does say that he was run over by an automobile or it's like an automobile accident. Is there anything in, in the law that would, if that happens or if there's some kind of car accident, does the car company have to get involved at all if that is like the cause of death? Only if the car running, um, running over is, uh, you know, that it wasn't being operated by someone. You know, when you hear that somebody's run over by a car, you assume it's being operated by someone. And, um, it doesn't actually say that in the death certificate, right? It just says run over by a car. I did, I did look at it. Yeah. But, um, I don't, you know, I, I mean, I, I agree with your earlier comment that you would think that if there was something faulty with the car, the way it's supposedly, backed you know it just rolled in reverse yeah. and, and killed grant that they would be looking to blame someone right sometimes accidents are just accidents there's not always someone who should be taking the um you know the, the blame and pay for it but yeah you would yeah. For it. we're a very litigious society and we try to sue whenever we can right mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'm answering your question properly, but it does seem like, you know, when you hear that somebody run over by a car, that it's a, it's a vehicle that was being operated by someone and this wasn't at the time. Right. That's, I guess that was my point. Like nobody was operating the car and yet he was run over by this car. 
it doesn't distinguish. It doesn't say run over by a, an unoccupied car, you know, somehow okay. like released. You know, there's no there's no description of the death certificate, but that's not the point of the death certificate, right? I mean, mm. that should be the police reports. And I didn't read everything, but is it is it described properly in the no, not not really. I mean, it's the whole thing is confusing because his official cause of death is blunt force trauma to the head, which is like run over by a car. What what is the like? So what would that normally be like? Crushed windpipe or crushed lungs or I don't know. Like it just seems strange. Well, when you hear when you you hear about um, injuries causing car accidents, it's it's all often the blunt force trauma that causes someone to die. Okay, I mean, airbags now prevent that a lot, you know, for yeah. people in the front seat. But um it's not unusual to hear blunt force trauma in a car accident, right? Okay. Here, I mean, I don't know how else you would describe his injuries. I mean, they're not he had trauma, right? He had trauma and they were blunt force. Mm-hmm. If he wasn't stabbed, he was you know he wasn't strangled, he wasn't shot. I mean it was it, these were traumatic injuries from yeah. I mean, what caused the truck to go in reverse? Was he injured before the truck went in reverse? I don't know. But yeah. um I don't I don't take issue with blunt force okay. um, injuries. I just don't know if the injuries are consistent with how the accident happened. Yeah, I mean to many people they are not just because his body was in perfect condition and anyone who saw him was very surprised just because yeah okay so how how far into the parking lot before the ditch do you mm-hmm. know how many it was 60 was? feet he was Basically. allegedly dragged 60 feet under and, a hot and the, car and it's going down backwards right yes yes was he in the back of the truck at the time it started slipping if if you believe Aaron's story so the story is and it's again, it's changed, Beth. It's changed. He he was first. He was getting his equipment out of the bed of the truck, uh, right in the back. But but this is the weird thing. I mean, anyone who's a baseball player, you don't put a leather glove out in the open, you know, for the hot sun. He had to drive fifty miles to Gallatin. So just knowing that, you're like, okay, that's weird. But then everybody else that was friends with Grant, his girlfriend, his you know, his friends, his mom, his sister was like, wait, Grant never puts his equipment in the bed of the truck. He puts it in the back seat. And then that's when Aaron's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, it was the back seat. Fine. Either way, say he got it out of the back seat and maybe he walked around to the back, let's say. I, I am under the impression that he would be able to jump out of the way, like a spry 18-year-old kid who's playing baseball. You know, I just don't see how um, he would all of a sudden just stand there and and, you know, not see this see the truck coming at him let's say say it happens the way aaron says sure. then oh, and i've got to cancel this somebody's coming <laughs> with the client i apologize for this no it's fine recording. um if it happened the way aaron said then grant is he's he's somehow caught and dragged under the truck mm-hmm. for most of that 60 feet mm-hmm. maybe 40 of it 45 yeah. 50 of the 60 feet down into the ditch Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. And he would. Uh, I mean, he's like a lot of times when you drag, sometimes, you know, your shoes might come off and there's scrapings. There's, a, I, have you seen, you know, 
No scrapes, Beth. His shoes and socks were perfectly white. There are pictures of them. Not one mark on his body. Not one, except for his head injury. Uh, There was a scrape on his cheek, maybe, and something on his hip or his leg, which his mom thinks was from like a week before sliding into first base or something. But nothing matches being dragged. But if he went down on his back, you'd have stuff in his like in his hair, gravel, whatever, dirt yeah. stuff. Yeah, uh, his shirt, whatever. You, what. Nothing. Oh well, this is interesting. Uh, we brought this up a few episodes ago, and <laughs> this is another part of the corruption that I keep forgetting to bring up multiple times. But the funeral home that Aaron had picked out, or you know, suggested they burned his clothes. They burned them. Can you believe that? And now they sold the funeral home. This woman, I forget her name, Pam Stevens, maybe. I'll have to go back and check. She sold it. Different owner now. How weird is that? But she burned his clothes. Burned them. That's, um, she should, they should have been offered to the family to return to the family. Um, not yeah, sure. They weren't. Burned. Nope. Can you believe that? It was a crime, but um, you would think because the police would have immediately, they would have been taken before it got to the funeral home. The clothes would have been taken, but. I just um, feel like what kind of. Maybe Aaron gave them permission to burn the clothes. Yes. I was thinking that or, you know, yeah, of course. Like he gave them permission. Maybe. I don't know. You know, I, I believe Angie was like, wait, what? Did you burn them? And she's like, oh, sorry. Like, I didn't know. But like, just dispose of, I can't imagine like who burns them. That's my thing. Like, I guess if you own a funeral home and you have like an incinerator, maybe you, you do that. But like, is that a, that just seems weird. I would just throw something in, in, you know, a dumpster or a garbage. I wouldn't think to burn it. That seems very, yeah. It's a funeral home. I don't know if this particular facility also did cremations, but yeah, it probably right. had an incinerator. I don't know. That's, it's a little odd to me. I would think that um, the family would be offered the clothes, but maybe they were. And and Aaron was the spokesperson and said, no, get rid of them. That's unfortunate. Well, I have seen yeah. funeral homes not allow a mother who was suspicious that her son's death was not a suicide, that he had been murdered and they would not let her come in and look at the body in the casket. And she oh. actually went in on her own, sort of, kind of surreptitiously with a little camera and got some shots of her son's head and the yeah. bullet hole because she, she needed it and they weren't, they weren't letting, and they, and she had brought them fresh, he had blood, bloody clothes. She brought them fresh clothes for him to be buried in. And she, mm. she took pictures of him. He was in his casket in the bloody clothes. <gasps> they never changed him. So, I mean, there are what? weird things that funeral parlors will do. I don't want to denigrate all funeral parlors. No, but it's okay. It's okay. But yeah. I mean, the other thing they did, and, and some people argue that this is perfectly normal. I've heard both sides of it. And this is a little bit, uh, kind of tinfoil hat-ish, but, you know, they measured Grant and then they got him a giant casket because he was over six feet. So he, you know, he, um, he fit in his casket, you know, they measured him and then Angie noticed, and it was very traumatizing for her. Very, very traumatizing, but they broke his ankles to, because all of a sudden he didn't fit. And I spoke to somebody who is um, in mortuary school and she's like, there are many ways to do this where you don't have to break any bones. So, you know, you can bend the legs. You it, you can just get, it's just, it was crazy. So she was like, to me, that sounded like 
something was was being hidden. And I was like, I don't know, but that's just very weird. Very weird. I remember cases in law school in torts class of um people having their you know limbs broken and family members, this deceased family members having their limbs broken and then suing, successfully suing for it. So uh, because wow. of emotional uh distress it caused. Um, right, right. I mean, I don't think she can ever unsee what she saw. Like after all of that, what probably happens a lot more than we realize. Because usually, when you're viewing in a casket, you only see the upper half of the body, not mm-hmm. the not the lower half. So yeah, exactly, exactly. So that, that it's just another layer of like a, of a, a head scratcher. Like what? Like how is it possible that everybody failed? <laughs> I mean, everybody failed. And again, my opinion. But it just, it, a lot of this stuff really, it doesn't make sense to me. And the last thing that I, I just want to ask you is like, why would their take be so different than 90% of people who look at the facts here? Why would they all, why would they be so like, nope, we, nothing here uh, is deemed criminal, but everybody else who looks at the paperwork, the facts, the pictures, is scratching their head like what? How do you guys not see that? So um, I don't I don't know how to give you a satisfactory answer there. <laughs> that is troubling. That people who look at the evidence the DA had, the police had, and reach a different conclusion, and the vast majority reach a different conclusion. I don't know if the police and DA had anything more than what's available to the public. If they had something more, mm-hmm. maybe you know I'd like to know what that more is that convinces mm-hmm. them that this is not criminal or not worthy of further investigation. It is frustrating. And unfortunately, this stuff happens a little too often. I mean, I don't like to, I really don't like to attack police because I do believe that police and prosecutors for the most part are doing the right thing and they're not prosecuting Mm -hmm. innocent people and they're out there, you know, doing, doing good. But it does happen that innocent people get charged. It does happen that crimes uh, occur and they are there it's misinterpreted or just, you know, there's, there's no, no investigation, no pursuit. So, um, yeah. you know, the system is not perfect. And this may be one of those cases that, I mean, Grant deserved more. And as you say, people failed him all along the way. I mean, from the judge who sent him to live with his father, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, well, it's, because- because he was going to start talking about Gracie's allegations to other to other people. Is that why he he died so young? I mean, I yeah, no. It, there's a. I mean, there's a lot. People do speculate that that is a quote unquote motive, uh, because Grant was pretty vocal about saying, "I'm 18 and I am going to save my sister, save my mother." He was that type of kid, so that that is what everybody believes to be the motive. I um, I just. I guess I, I think about it from all different perspectives, Beth, where I'm like, okay, let's say, let's say Aaron is, you know, he, this really happened the way he, he said it happened. It, it physically is impossible. <laughs> like, even if it's like, if it, everything, it's like, he was a loving father. This never, you know, they never had any issues. They were never in court. Um, Aaron and Grant were just best friends and they, you know, it just, it still wouldn't matter because nothing adds up. So that's when I'm like, okay, if I ever start to feel like, well, maybe no, nothing adds up, nothing. Cause I start to think, you know, I've reached out to Aaron, um, you know, via LinkedIn, I reached out for an interview and, and I never heard back. Cause I, I wanted to, and this is very early on when I started looking into this, but you know, I want to hear both sides. I want to hear from the cops. I wish they didn't hang up on me. I would love 
you know, to speak with someone like I did with City Legal. She was the only person that didn't hang up on me. And while it was very frustrating, it was it was helpful to hear how these people think. So um, yeah. Anyway, I really want to thank you for your time and and energy and looking over. Not enlightening for you, but um, it is it is interesting to talk about. You know the issues here. We don't really have any any solutions, but Grant at least deserves the conversation. Yes, yes, and I I pray I pray every night that somebody with a conscience who knows something will step forward and just get this off their chest, whatever it is that somebody's hiding or someone's not telling or somebody knows. I just, I pray for that. I pray for peace for, for everybody involved. So anyway, um, well, thank you so much, Beth. Um, I will put your handles in the show notes so everybody can follow you and see all the great work you're doing. Thank you. And you keep up the good work and let's get together again soon. Okay. I love Beth. She's so smart. And I just really loved hearing what she had to say. And just going back to something she mentioned about the police, uh, she likes to not bash police. Well, I don't like to bash police either. I really, I I don't. I am pro-police. I've said that before. But the only way I could get my point across about the Gallatin PD was the way that that I've been doing it, which I guess is kind of bashing them. And and I I I don't know what else to do to to get my point across here. So forgive me if I've offended anybody uh with with bashing the police. I don't mean to do that. And the other thing, when I mentioned the three men, that really is something that keeps me up at night. I truly have been thinking about this lately that if these three men would come forward, that would be everything. I really feel like they hold the key to a lot of this. And I feel like the three men get overlooked a lot, but that's something I've been thinking about lately, especially with this $20,000 reward that we have that leads to an arrest or conviction. I mean, I keep thinking like, should we change that and say, hey, if you are one of the three men, come forward, we will protect your identity and we will give you this reward if it leads to an arrest. Okay, I'm going to wrap up this episode because I still have a lot of paperwork to look over before next week, but... I want to say one more time, this whole quote-unquote second investigation has really rocked me because nobody that has been involved in this case, including Angie and including people very close like Melanie Hicks, they're all like, oh, yeah, the second investigation. I guess that did happen, but nobody really found it to be substantial. It was something that was just totally looked over. But the biggest thing to me was just the fact that the city of Gallatin, when I called many times, many different places, they did not bring this up. They did not say, oh yeah, an attorney brought us uh, new information and we reopened it and we found nothing. If they truly believed that, wouldn't that be something they would would tell me? I know I said that before, but I, I still just really can't get over it. But anyway, thanks for listening to this new episode of Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon. We will be back next week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.